what if you were sitting on a gold mine of equity that could actually retire you decades earlier? Hi, I'm Joe Krause. And I'm Sam Powell, and we're the hosts of Property Powers Australia. And in this episode, we're discussing more, in more detail what equity is and how to pull that out of your current property, whether it is an owner-occupier or an investment property, and what you can actually do with that that can help you amplify your, you know, your road to financial freedom and time freedom. Which is um, we, sh- we share a few interesting stories and some really great examples to try and uh, help you get through the, I guess, the minefield of numbers in the, the finance industry. Yeah, and that's exactly right. The, we did a calculation on what it would look like if you owned a home um, and you had equity in that home, and what you could do to build that build that portfolio or build out a portfolio to build your wealth as a homeowner, and then purchasing other investment properties and we also talk about it if you're a rent investor as well and what that looks like in terms of if you own a property that you have invested in and then you also rent what that looks like what your repayments would look like if you draw equity out what it would look like tax wise how you can decrease your taxable income and then some scenarios on like how many properties you could build or buy sorry uh, and how many is too many yeah, there's a lot in this one, and we share a few key, um, you know, industry secrets, which um, definitely listen through and helps you understand what you're actually getting involved in. But as always, this is um, you know, a really great episode, so please dive in. Uh, it is also not the only way that we can help people for free, so please head over to our website, propertypals.au forward slash resources, where we have a how to maximize your borrowing capacity uh, mini course, and it's a free PDF download. So jump in there; it helps you understand the ins and outs to increase your return on investment when you're going down this path. So enjoy the episode and see you on the inside. Welcome to Property Pals, the podcast where we share everything around how to build a property portfolio from researching areas, financing, structuring, buying, selling and reinvesting to live a life of financial independence. As a disclaimer, any information shared by myself, Jared, Sam and the Property Pals team is strictly general and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, and taxation advice from a qualified professional. Spaghetti. So last Friday, we went to dinner, you, me, and a couple of mates. Yes. And we uh, got a, a good mate that I had been, it's been bugging me for a couple of years, uh, who has some money. He bought a property. I actually lived in his property in Palm Beach, Camo, talking about you. Um, we're at dinner and I was speaking to Camo. I lost my voice because I was yelling so loud over the band. Yeah, poor um, acoustics. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, and we are talking about him buying another property because he's owned this property for many, many years. Uh, six years, in fact, and it grew through the COVID period. And I think it was a year ago when we're at one of our fantasy surfing uh, events. I was talking to him about, in you know, reinvesting and taking equity out. And he's like, I don't get, it. I don't understand how it works. And I was explaining to him again. He had a million questions, and I said, you should come on the podcast and ask these questions. And he he didn't seem too excited to do that. A uh, bit nervous, but that's that's totally fine. We've got some questions that we do want to answer. Yeah, people have um, messaged us and asked us um, you know, to cover a few things. So here we are. We're going to jump into it. 
Yeah, so we're gonna let's use let's just use round figures and round numbers uh, for this. But first and foremost, what is equity? Like, let's let's just get that sort of out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, equity is the money that you have in available in the property. Um, so, example, you have uh, a property. You you bought it. Say it was eight hundred thousand dollars when you bought it, and you um, needed six hundred thousand dollars in debt to secure that. Mm-hmm. Um, you now bought that property. You got the six hundred grand in debt. The equity component is the two hundred thousand dollars difference from what it's worth to the the debt that you own on it. So it's basically when you sell everything on a property portfolio, what you get in your bank account is your equity. Mm-hmm. So in this um, calculation circumstance, uh, the property that you know you bought it for eight hundred thousand dollars, you had two hundred thousand dollars in equity and six hundred thousand dollars in debt. You've left it on interest-only repayment, so that six hundred thousand dollars debt stays at $600,000 debt, and then over the, the time, it's increased to a million dollars in value. So your equity now has gone from 200000 to 400000 mm-hmm. in, you know, in in equity in that sense. Love it. So equity is also, I guess, another word for cash or money that you that is yours that you own. Um, because if you're, like when we're investing in other things as well, when you've got cash in the bank and you go invest in it, with that cash, people call that, you know, you're putting your own equity into it, right? Yep. Uh, and equity is like, yeah. So let's, the tricky thing is how much can people get out and how much should they get out? Mm-hmm. And this is going to be very dependent on your property portfolio, but let's talk about how much um, you can get out. So, there's different levels of LVR and uh, you can only take out a certain amount to a certain LVR and Sam, I'm going to hand the microphone over to you for this one. <laughs> yeah, well generally um, the equity when you're, when you're drawing equity out of one property, the 80% loan to value ratio is what banks work on. You don't have to pay lender's mortgage insurance, which you know, jargon LMI is that. Um, if you don't carry a loan to value ratio um, higher than eighty percent, so and, and that's also like that's a risk assessment for the bank too. Like everyone's obviously got certain risk appetites, mm-hmm. and because property from the long term growth perspective is is quite low in that risk sense that yeah, people can go up to 95 percent loan to value ratios, um, even even higher, um, especially yeah. in the past. They used to actually you could borrow the full amount plus um, stamp duty. Which is insane. And governments, governments are getting close to doing certain things like that now, but we won't make this content non evergreen. Um, mm, that's it, always changing. It's always changing. Yeah. Yeah. So the the whole the whole purpose of the equity side, I would say, if you've got a current property, um, pulling the equity out on that. Basically, when I say pulling equity out, is you've got a principal place of residence as an example, common one. It's worth a million dollars now. You've got the $600,000 in debt, so you want to extract that equity out. What you'll be doing is going up to an 80% loan-to-value ratio. Mm. Therefore, you've got no fees involved from uh, lender's mortgage insurance. And if you buy another investment property, you want to try and reduce your fees as much as possible, but also um, not over-leverage yourself too much either. And 
certain banks that they might do greater than eighty percent, but then there's um, you're reducing your potential pool of lenders, which um, you know, getting uh, a good mortgage broker on your side to have these conversations is really influential. But um, for simplistic sakes, stick to that 80% loan-to-value ratio for the drawing equity out component. And then on that million-dollar asset that you, you're sitting on, the $600,000 in debt, there's received $400,000 in equity there. But if you're going to that 80% loan-to-value ratio, what that is saying is you've got the million dollars in asset, 80% of that you can have in debt, so that brings up to $800,000. Mm-hmm. So you've still got the $200,000 buffer from the bank's perspective, mm-hmm. which is which is healthy. Mm-hmm. But your debt now can go from six hundred to $800,000. So what that means is you can then take that $200,000, basically the bank, you refinance it, the bank put it into your bank account, and you can offset your mortgage with that. Some people use that. A lot of people use that to go and buy, use that as a deposit to go and buy an investment property. Um, other people might just put it in there just as a access to cash um, if, if they need it. Uh, the biggest thing that people don't realize is that you, you're pulling, your debt's going from finance. Yeah. You're using finance. Like, yeah. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Yeah. So it's money, it's like it's borrowed money. So you're increasing your borrowing of money. So you're, now no longer making the repayment on $600,000, which on a 6% interest rate, I ran some calculations on that, you're looking at $36,000 per year, so that's $690 a week. So, okay, cool, you're paying $690 a week to live in your home, it's worth a million bucks, you've got $600,000 in debt in it, you're like, cool, that's more than enough to make those repayments. And then you're like, well, I want to go to an $800,000 debt so I can pull out that extra $200,000. That's meaning now you're holding $800,000 in debt. So your repayments... Again, it's an extra two hundred grand on that loan. Yep. So your repayments are how much? You well, you can, yeah, do the calculus on that. So it's going up to $48,000 per year, which is 920 bucks a week. So an increase of 230 bucks roughly per week to have access to that $200,000 in available cash. And this is the huge, like there's so much to unpack in this and this is the big understanding of building wealth, like wealth creation versus going backwards. Um, And there's a difference, huge difference between buying an asset and buying a liability. So some some people think, cool, I've got cash here, I can go and spend that on whatever it is, you know, a car, Depreciates um, in value. Yeah, it's anything that depreciates in value, right? Yeah. Go buy a car or a boat or uh, anything, um, a holiday, you're paying finance on that money. It's so important. Now, it's very strategic to do when you're going to buy an asset that is going to grow over time without very little work for yourself. Um, we actually in America, uh, in our business, we help a lot of people do what they call a heel lock, which is a home equity line of credit. And they'll go away and take equity out. They'll increase that loan a little bit. But they're able to get finance at a much cheaper rate, interest rate, by taking money out and purchasing that asset uh, versus getting a business bank or business loan or whatever it is. So it can be to your advantage, but it's a double-edged sword. In a sense, right? 
yeah, well, you want to be making sure, like, from a business perspective, that increase in repayment, so in this example, if you're pulling that $200,000 of equity out, a little bit more, you've got to figure out a way to pay that 230 bucks extra a week. Mm. Um, if you're buying an investment property, um, you're using that $200,000 as your deposit, but then you're still going to have you know, the additional debt that comes with that, that property, right? Mm. So you need to be running your cash flows on the, like, in, in that sense, because you're, you're essentially borrowing yourself from yourself, that 200000 bucks. That's um, borrowed funds, essentially, and then you're also getting a loan out for that investment property, which might have, a, say, a, a, a debt of $500,000. So you put the two together, it's a $700,000 asset, but you're now carrying that extra $700,000 in, in debt, essentially. So you need to make sure that you understand the dollar um, implications on your cash flow yeah. um, before pulling that trigger and buying the property, because a lot of banks would be like, yeah, you can afford to buy this. You got the equity. You got that borrowing serviceability. Based on these calculations, you can make those repayments. Um, that's a really good indication that you can do it. However, you've got to understand your own personal journey and yeah. whether you want to. You know, that might end up being three hundred dollars extra a week in mm. um, having to put your household budget mm. to holding an investment property, as an example. So, based on that, is like, can you do that for the next ten years? Yeah, um, and if the answer is yes, then that's really great. Some people still think, "Oh no, nah, I don't want to do it. It's too hard. I'd like going on my holidays and you know going on the on the on the piss on the weekends yeah, yeah. kind of vibe." And that's that. You're you're not future proofing yourself in like in regards to putting money to work harder for you because mm-hmm. yes, it might be costing you an extra three hundred bucks a week, but if it's growing in value by you know thirty grand a year. Mm-hmm. It's paying for itself essentially, and and more so. And then the compounding effects of time, you know, history just shows that it, it's forever in your favor. Yeah, which we talked about in other episodes of like how buying an asset, you know, you may be going backwards fifty to one hundred dollars a week and not paying positive. You know, you know, might not have a positively geared property, but if it's in a good capital growth area, you're going to make far more money back in in terms of equity and value versus what you could in just the rental yield. Uh, So it's understanding this in different ways and different flavors uh, and also realizing you can, this is I think when people start to change and flip the script on uh, building wealth versus non-building wealth is when they don't just, they, they do start to make some sacrifices on entertainment expenses like holidays and you know, a bigger car, better car, fancy car, make me, make me look good um, and make my life look like I've got my life sorted um, and I'm better than people, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a big difference. So that's – I want to talk about that in – so we've talked about that if you own your own home, right, from the lens of like if you own your own home, you can take equity out and, yes, buy another property um, and if the numbers stack up and you do it right, like you use us to, to help you buy it, then you are going to be better off financially uh, in the long run. Now, that's with a home, but let's talk about it from a lens of a investor, say mm-hmm. somebody that is a rent investor that's like trying to wrap their head around like, okay, cool. So if I've got a, I bought a property for $450,000 and it's worth $800,000, and they're like, all right, I've got $350,000 there in sort of equity, I guess. Is that correct? Like it depends on what their loan is, right? So say their loan is like 
So yeah. their loan was like three, three hundred or three hundred fifty, right? Mm-hmm. And they bought a four hundred fifty thousand dollar property. That means they've probably got like I don't know four hundred and fifty thousand dollars in equity, right? Yeah, I'm getting lost in the numbers, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah but, but you've got there's equity and then there's a available equity. I available. Equity. That, that's just the coin that I throw out. That's let's let's break down that then. Let's break down what equity is there versus available equity. Well, it's the eight percent, so you okay. can draw that out. So if you've got, yeah, um, so in that example, a million dollars um, is the asset value. Your your, value, your equity is four hundred grand because you've got six hundred grand in debt. Mm-hmm. But your available equity is two hundred grand because you're pulling that out on an eighty percent loan to value ratio. So, for example, somebody buys a let's just say somebody buys a property for four hundred thousand dollars, right? And they use three. They've got three hundred grand in debt, mm-hmm. yeah. And then that property increases value from four hundred to eight hundred. Now, what is their available equity? What's their equity, and then what's their available equity? So three hundred fifty. So three hundred in debt. Three hundred debt. Four hundred property price when they first bought it, and it's worth now eight hundred thousand dollars. Oh yeah, eight hundred thousand. You got five hundred thousand dollars in available equity, and then you go. All right, the, the property's worth eight hundred grand. What's eighty percent of eight hundred thousand dollars minus one sixty off eight hundred? You're looking at six forty. So six forty available debt. You've got um three hundred grand in debt. So you got three hundred forty grand in available equity. Okay, so you did eighty percent of the eight hundred. And that was the debt that you would have at eighty percent LVR. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that left uh, that left you with three hundred and forty in available available equity. Yeah, and you've got five hundred thousand dollars in equity in that sense uh, because you've got the debt at three hundred value is eight hundred. This is generally why I like using round numbers. Yeah, <laughs> this is good. This is good because I'm still like I just want to conceptualize this for everyone. Yeah. So say that again. So uh, in this example, eight hundred thousand dollars in um, you know, asset value. Yeah, you got your debt at three hundred thousand dollars. Yes, fantastic. So eight hundred minus three hundred is five hundred thousand in, in equity. Okay, in available equity, in my term, if you go to that eight percent loan to value ratio, you're going well. An asset's worth eight hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. What's eighty percent of eight hundred thousand? Mm-hmm. For me, I sit there and go, well, that's as I said, six hundred and forty thousand. Mm-hmm. Because you go. It's one sixty um, is twenty percent of eight hundred thousand. So mm-hmm. that's six forty plus your sixty gives you that seven hundred plus the extra hundred gives you eight hundred. Okay, so it's six forty in so six forty in debt that you can go up to. Yeah, so you go okay, cool, um, Mr. Lender. I this is my asset, it's my investment property. It's worth eight hundred thousand um, dollars. I want to pull some equity out. Let's go to the eighty percent loan to value ratio. Mm-hmm. What does that actually allow me to do? They'll run the figures based on your, your household. You speak to your mortgage broker for this or your bank, right? 100%. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you ask them, they'll, like, they'll get your, your you know, tax returns, cash flows, income, outgoings, and then they'll go, yep, Jared, you can um, you can service debt up to $640,000. So at 80% LVR. At an 80% loan to value ratio. And you know, a lot of the good mortgage brokers will sit back and go, well, you're doing this, um, your borrowing capacity you know, is call it two hundred thousand dollars on top of that so you, you go and that's based on you need to have an income coming through which another investment property so then they go well your target would be you know, acquiring a say six hundred thousand dollar property well let's let's slow down <laughs> let's slow down sorry 
So you've so you've got six. So you've just taken your debt from three hundred grand, yeah, to six hundred forty grand yeah. on on a property that you bought for four hundred thousand dollars. It's now valued at eight hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So then you go and uh, how much equity can you take out then? <coughs> well, the the difference would be the you had the three hundred, yeah, and then you can, if you can get access to that full eighty percent, mm-hmm. you can. But your debt will go from three hundred to six hundred and forty, so you're increasing at three hundred and forty grand. Okay, so is that your equity that you pull out? Yes. So you pull out three hundred and forty of equity. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So then you've got this cash. You haven't got it yet because you're just working out the figures with your broker. Um, but you've got this availability that you could take out because the bank has said, "Yeah, we'll give you three hundred and forty cash or equity if you bring it up to six forty um, loan." size yep and so then you got that that money to play with mm-hmm. then we've also got to understand let's just stick with the first property the first investment with that first investment your repayments will go from what you're paying on three hundred thousand dollars of debt to six hundred and forty thousand dollars of debt yes so understand that your repayments will go up yes more now, than double more than double right yeah <clears throat> now with that this is where people freak out a little bit, I think, uh, because they go, oh, I'm paying more, so how am I going to afford that debt? Well, if you bought a $400,000 property and you were charging $400 a week rent, surely if the property is worth $800,000, $800, charging $800 per week in rent. Oh, well, it depends on the market. It depends on the market, but let's use round figures. Is that like... You know, we could assume that is is semi accurate. Yeah, well, I'd go further and say uh, I mean, I buy properties all around Australia. Um, okay. Generally, the values increase faster than the um, the yield. Okay, so let's not get off track then. Would, would we say to assume seven hundred dollars? Yeah, rent? yeah. Okay. I'd be all comfortable with that. All right, because we could go down the tangent, but I don't want to lose us here. <laughs> so we we've gone from four hundred dollars a week of rent to seven hundred dollars a week of rent. As that property has increased from four hundred grand to eight hundred grand, so then if you've got seven hundred dollars a week in rent, like you people are like, oh wow, like um, yes, you're making you you you're obviously definitely positively geared right from for that loan size because you've only got a three hundred thousand dollar loan size. Now people are going to be worried about oh well. I won't make as much passive during that year of income because I actually, um, you know, like I'm going to increase my loan, which means how can I can I afford to pay that loan of six hundred and forty thousand dollars? Well, if you got seven hundred thousand seven hundred dollars per week in rent, surely you should be able to still be like just over positively geared uh, or neutral. For that property now, for the repayments on a six hundred and forty loan versus three hundred loan, and getting seven hundred dollars a week in rent. Now, where this also comes into play is, I remember speaking to our friend, and he's like, oh, "I'm just paying tax on this income for this property. I want to bring my tax down." Mm-hmm. This is the perfect strategy for that because people may think, "Oh, I'm I'm less positively I'm I'm positively geared." which is great, but you are paying tax on that income as well, right? It's investment income. 
Yep, that adds and to your household income. It adds, it adds to your personal income, mm-hmm. right? If you don't have that property in, say, a trust or a, a different entity, then it'll increase your personal income and that's a, a high, the highest tax bracket, right? So if you decrease that, de- like if you decrease that down uh, to being neutral and then you're taking money from this first property, then you can invest into another property, right? So you're bringing your tax bracket down, you're investing more money and you're, you know, you're building your wealth a lot faster because you're paying less tax and then you're shifting your equity that you do have into another asset that's in a high growth area. So <clears throat> I think there's a lot, like is there anything else that you want to like iron out in that? Because then I, I want to move from one asset to the next asset, what they look like together yeah. with round figures. Yeah, I'd probably just hit on it's the the psychological side of that people struggle with and it holds them back and I fully understand it and it's you're not meant to know this stuff because they don't teach you this in school. This is the issue with the education system. Um, but just by learning it and going through and talking to the right people, you start to get educated. But a lot of people hit that barrier going, well, I bought this property a few years ago. Uh, it's fine at that point now. It's paying me an income. You know, I can you know, go and live my life in a different way now because I'm feeling more financially abundant. Mm. And, and it's that stage where it's like most investors just stop at one investment property because um, it's like that short-term mindset where if you just go and do the same thing, rinse and repeat, sure, you're going to have another few years of like, you know, going on lavish holidays and having all those lavish things, but it, it all compounds, right? Mm. Um, and that's the whole journey we're trying to take people through is that um, it's not – it's not hard. It's just you know sticking to your, your goals and what actually is that you want, where you want to be in the next you know ten twenty years. Um, and it might be that you go from a positive cash flow environment um, to a negative cash flow environment with your investments. But like we hit on this in a previous podcast, where it's like, what would you rather? A property that grows ninety five thousand dollars in in value over a nine month period, mm. or Something that's giving you ten dollars cash flow per week, or even hundred dollars positive cash flow a week. Yeah, so you sit back and go, well, hundred bucks. That's you know, call that five grand max a year. Mm. Um, you know, I'd take the ninety five every day of the week and take the negative cash flow carry. But that's my personal circumstances. Whereas other people, they might like it. Might not be that that's where they're lit up. But I'm I'm saying to you now, there's locations in Australia where we can find positive cash flow properties with. With good growth prospects, yeah. they may not be as strong as other locations in Australia. However, you can still get in, you can still invest, and it's still increasing its, in its capital value because it's got really good fundamentals driving it, and you get that cash flow. Yeah, so it's just like you just you need to be talking to the right people. Absolutely, and this is why we are here to help you guys not just understand this through the free pod, like you know, but we. We, this is like how you build a property portfolio and most people don't understand this. And there's so many nuances to, towards your personal situation and the property that you own, whether you have what structure you have it in, what you don't have it in, your income, your personal income, your job, how much that is, the tax that you're paying, what you can save on tax and what you can gain with investment. Uh, and I think with that, I want to continue on with this thread of the example of the property uh, and the first property and then investing in another one. Before we continue today's pod, I want to ask you a few questions. What is your property investment goal? What type of properties do you want to own? How many? 
what size valuation property portfolio do you want to own and how much net income do you want to be earning? Essentially, what's your magic number in passive income that you want to be earning and do you know how to get there? And if you do, do you know how to get there in the least time possible with the least amount of risk? Sam and I have been helping people invest in property and build property portfolios for years. People who are now replacing their income through property and we want to help you do the same. Right now, for a limited time, we are offering free property coaching to our listeners. We won't be able to do this forever, of course, so head to propertypals.au forward slash coaching. That's propertypals.au forward slash coaching to see how we can help you achieve your investment property goals. Link will be in the description too. So we've got 340K cash and we can use that to buy another property. Our repayments are more on their on the $640,000 loan and we've got rent. So let's just say, for example, after like maintenance and, and all that sort of stuff, we're pretty neutral on that property. Maybe slightly, let's just say we're neutral on that property. If you were to be a little bit like more negatively geared, like $50 a week or $100 a week, wouldn't stress too much on this as an example, right? Uh, because if you buy in a high growth location, like I said, it, you know, it could offset that, that, um, that negativeness. Also, it'll bring down if the property's in your personal name, the first one, it'll bring down your taxable income as well. So then you've got that first, that's, that's the first property out of the way, right? It's got like, cool, we've got 340K cash. Now let's go, okay, Mr. Broker, um, how much can I lend? Let's look at our borrowing capacity. So what does that look like? And then how do we, you know, move to another asset? And let's talk about like what it would look like to buy another asset and own two. Yeah, well, you look at it this way. Um, you've got that asset now, $700,000, uh, $800,000? Yes, eight hundred. Yeah. yeah. And you're getting 700 bucks a week. You call that, like you, you did have that $300,000, your, your positive cash flow, you've now drawn the equity out, you now have six hundred and forty. but you're getting that extra rental of 700 bucks a week. So say that's sitting around neutral, mm. if you're paying debt on that at $640,000 yep. a week. Yep. Well, you're kind of back to square one where you were when you bought that initial property. But you got 340K cash. Correct. Exactly. So you use that cash and then you, you that's your deposit for the next one. So you can go in and basically you can buy a house for three hundred forty k cash, you know, like so. And if that is returning a um, you know, positive income, mm. then it's all paying for itself essentially. You you can go well, depending on your borrowing capacity with your banks. You you can go well. I can pull out that equity at three hundred forty grand. Mister Banker comes in and goes, well, Jared, based on your income, you could probably you could actually afford a five hundred thousand dollars in. Uh, a property so mm -hmm. we can give you a little bit more debt on that front mm -hmm. uh, but in that requirement you need to be chasing you know a rental income of 500 bucks a week mm -hmm. so we, you see how it's starting to narrow down and, and it's giving you the guidance and it's like well cool now we go shopping for a five hundred thousand dollar property but renting 500 bucks a week yeah roughly we might find a really cracker four hundred and fifty thousand dollar property mm -hmm. that's renting at 450 a week it's the same yield yes that's the, the target and the cash flow side of things so yeah that's really cool. You're targeting the same same sort of yeah yield there. So if you got three hundred, my 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 thing is like hang on a second, like I'm I'm like say I'm making 80, 90 grand a year, right? And I'm like, all right, cool. I've got this first property. It's neutral now, and I've got three hundred forty k cash to go invest. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how how do I 
how do I get the best ROI out of 340K? So like say we split that up into two, right? So it's 170 each, right? Is that right? Yeah. So um, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well done. <laughs> I'm not good at math. No, you should get my brother-in-law in here. He's like, you're like, you're like, hey, man, what's um, yeah, 26 by 52? And he's like, yeah, 1,652. You're like, what? <laughs> I'm, a, I, I'm just struggling to keep my head above water in this episode here. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we've got 100. So I'm like, all right, if we've got 340. 340? Like, can I go buy three properties? Is that a bit of a stretch? Could I go buy three $400,000 properties with a 100K deposit on each? Is it a, is it a, I mean, an 80K deposit on each with like, say, 20K entry costs, right? Let's just use that. Is it a, is it a possibility? Maybe it's a bit of a stretch, right? Or uh, can we go buy two properties and spend 250 grand, mm. right? And keep a little bit of cash in our own pocket. To build up for the next property when we're ready, or, or not in our pocket. Obviously, we put it in an offset account, right? Because we're smart. Uh, but yeah, so like, then then it starts to become like, how do we build this property portfolio to be the best it can be? Strategy, strategy. Everyone's circumstance is completely different, um, so you just need to book in, have a session, um, yeah. you know, just just talk about what's best for you because it it. Like it's sort of like what Andy was speaking about in the previous podcast. It's like it's you hear it all the time, and it's just accurate. Like it all depends on your individual circumstances mm-hmm. to see what best is the next step, mm-hmm. and um, it's obviously a big part of of what I do as a property strategist. I think I think, um, and I love I love talking about strategy as well. Absolutely love it. Like I was just so vibing out on it last last Friday um, talking about it but it depends on so it really depends on your comfort levels as well and like for me like I want to go really fast uh, and you know I'm prepared to take on maybe a little bit more risk than most people because I have a different life situation um, in terms of like no family and whatnot but say if somebody wants to just take it a little bit slower like instead of like trying to force three properties or maybe you can buy two better properties with you know 170 you know, towards each one, or maybe you just buy one um, with most of that equity of cash. Or what you could do is you could just, you know, stay in the game and just play as a way of like, well, I've got 340 here. How about I take 140 and just buy one property? Oh, you're getting smart here. You know, yeah, so that's. And then just then get comfortable with it, right? That's all, regardless of, even if you wanted to go and buy three, it's, you, you, we sit down, we have a session, and we're just like, well, we need to start with we need the next one, yeah. you know. So it's like, all right, you got one. Now let's go for two. You know, based on what your borrowing capacity is, you know, we'll have that parameters. It might be like we have this conversation. I do have this conversation a lot. I've got a couple of clients at the moment. Sam, I've got one point five million dollars to spend. Where do I spend it? And it's like, well, you know, based on your portfolio, we need to you know, at least get that comfort level of a few residentials, and then we look into those higher, you know, cash flow. Uh, properties like your commercial rooming house, things like that. So it's like, well, based on this, let's say our foundation is really strong. Um, I don't uh, buy house and land packages, new new, pro- new product like that because they just lack in that capital growth prospect. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Go and check out our house and land packages podcast episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, but it, yeah, yeah. Go check that one out. Um, and I'd sit there and go, well, you've got a really broad 
variety of what we can invest in. So let's just go and cherry pick the best market like into what we can we, what we can find. Mm-hmm. So I can't print the perfect property, but let's go and try and find one. And based on that, we, we present it and go, well, this fits all these parameters. It, it's uh, in a good growth location, got that cash flow. If you want to get to three, we need to focus on getting decent cash flow because you need to be able to service that debt. Once you find that asset and you transact on that asset, then you sit back and go, well, you might have, if you've got $1.5 million in your head, you're like, I want to go three. And you go, cool. Well, that's $500,000 roughly each, each property. We might find an absolute cracker at 600000 mm-hmm. And it's got really great um, great potential, good cash flow. You know, it's very rare find. We can negotiate it really, really well. Then you're like, okay, cool. Well, that's now in your portfolio. What does this now look like? Yeah, from a, reassess. Yeah, from a finance, financing perspective. And even from like you're going down the buyer's agent route, like I say to people all the time, like you're coming, this is the first time with us. Um, so let's you know take it one step at a time because there's so many and obviously a lot of key part of what we do here is making sure you're talking with the best buyer's agents. And people do, like it's all, <laughs> you don't know who you're getting in bed with until you're actually in bed with them, right? Yeah. Like, and there's good people, there's average and there's, there's poor um, performance on that front. So, um, and I, I often people with the biggest marketing budgets are the worst. There's kind of ah, just yeah, a, a bit of a disclaimer there. I got sucked into this. Um, I, I love like video um, sales funnels and stuff at the moment. And like, <laughs> man, there are some people like really encapsulating. Like, obviously, I'm not that great at that, um, but it's just that that pinpoint so many key points. It's a great presentation. It sucks you in. But then you figure out, like, I just know because I know what they're talking about. Like, oh, that is just fraught with danger. Yeah, the strategy. Like, so you've got to think about their intent of what their goal is with their business is to get you to buy, you know, let's just be really rough, like with, say, residential property buyers agents. Their goal is for you to buy 10 residential properties um, all at, like, you know, maybe not at the... 800k range but like in the 400 500k range and buy as many as possible possibly can because they're making that's, 15 grand they're making 15 buying. grand a pop and then also you <clears throat> you also uh you say you could afford a million dollar property right they're like no no buy 500 they might be like buy lots of five hundred thousand dollar properties so you're spread out and your risk is not too bad but like that means they get two deals out of one right they're making 30 grand instead of 50 you know 15 grand from just one one deal so you need to understand this as well like you need to you need to come back and that's why it's always good to just buy one, come back, reassess your strategy, which is what we like to help people do because maybe it is just buying two resis at the start or three or maybe it is four, depending on your personal situation and it'll be a different price range each time and then you might move into another asset type. Like you yeah. need to be very careful. And the big part I'd say is like I, I get emails from builders, developers offering me, you know, um, you know, house and land packages will pay you thirty to forty thousand dollars for you know, a client that transacts on, on one of our house and land packages, mm. and then buyers agents in that new space they're actually also charging people fifteen to eighteen thousand dollars in advice and buyers agents fees on top. So uh, this is a big this is the smoke and mirrors BS in the industry is that like these guys are getting paid like fifty grand for you to go and buy a property. And, and that's why I have such great marketing budgets and really savvy video campaigns. And like, it's like, cool, well, let's have a debate about it if you actually really want to because what is in the best interest of your client? And it's not buying a house and land package on the outskirts of boom, 
Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say no. that's different. Outside, in the outskirts <laughs> of like, you know, the boonies. Yeah, the boonies. And it's like, well, cool. Well done. Tax appreciation. Oh, go back to our old episode. We've, we've talked yeah. about it a bit further. So so there's, you know, there's a lot of things to think about is like <clears throat> your personal situation, your personal finance, your tax situation, your risk tolerance, and then your strategy. And, and then there's all these other little things in between. Um we're talking about here in this episode building a property portfolio using property and equity from your properties. There is also concerns that people like, hang on, if I go, if I if I take my loan from, you know, let's use this example before, right? You got a four hundred thousand dollar property that you purchased. It's now worth eight hundred thousand dollars. You had three hundred k on debt, and you've gone up to six hundred forty k debt on that one. Then you go, I'm going to go buy another property. Right, because you've got three hundred forty k in cash and equity, and you might let's just say you buy two, and let's just say you buy two five hundred thousand dollar properties. That means you're going to take your finance from three hundred thousand dollars to six forty plus another, like let's just say, say the six hundred thousand dollar properties, right? And you've bought them with a hundred hundred k deposit. I know that might not work financially, but this is an example because I want to keep round figures. You got two other properties with five hundred thousand dollars of debt in each one. Those new properties you just purchased, and then you got six forty from the first one. So you got three properties, and you've got one point six four million dollars in debt. For that, and I'm I'm really amping this up in a way that people are like, damn, I got one point six million dollars in debt, and people are thinking, I've been, I, my goal is to not have debt. Mm, change that mindset yeah and, and it's and it's we have been taught in you know depending on what you know who's to say what is right and wrong but well parents like, everyone was taught <laughs> historically buy a house pay it off yeah and that was it exactly and it's just a shame when you are locked into your job because your goal is just to pay off your home and own it outright when you can get out of your job quicker and have more time independence, you know, location independence or whatever it is you want by not paying off your home, by buying more assets and getting more debt and using debt to your advantage. And there's a really good book called The Debt Millionaire by George Anton. Um, changed my, and shout out to Charlie who recommended that to me, uh, a mentor and a business partner of mine, previous mentor and business partner of mine change my thinking on debt and to acquire, why I should acquire more good debt to get myself into a wealthier position and that can help me help more people, you know, okay. and that's what you, you guys essentially want to do as well. First, start with yourself, get yourself into a better position and then when you've got, you know, time, freedom and, and resources, then you can put it into helping people like your kids and others. And The biggest takeaway on that, Conversation just all that was just good good debt. Good so debt, yeah. finding good assets. And that's that's the thing. You can go and do this these strategies, you can go and pull equity out, buy another house. But if it's a property that you know you know it might be, you know, in your suburb that you love mm. and you think it's gonna boom because it's it might make you feel nice, rosy and cozy inside. Yeah, and you can go around there and, you know, mow your lawns. But um <laughs> the location might not actually do anything for the next three, five years. And you yeah. sit there and go, Well, you're then Obviously, making all these repayments, but there's locations in Australia. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 
go back and look at like the data does show that there's locations in Australia that actually increase in value during 2008, 2009, 2010. Mm. And you sit back and go, well, I, this is the most, um, I guess, prevalent. Biggest downturn in the market. Yeah, in, in our How is they going to be properties growing? Yeah. yeah, and it's like every, if you go back to the news, it was, the world was ending, you know, financial crisis, Sydney yeah. house prices. I think I even went back to the data. I think the house prices in Melbourne dropped 7% mm. um, on a year. I think overall on a two-year basis, the biggest drop was around 10%. And you're like, cool. 10%. It only dropped 10%. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That is like, so good. That's so, like, if that's the worst case scenario when you purchase a, an asset, that is for me phenomenal. Yeah. And but in property too, it's like, as long as you've got the rental income coming through, you, you, don't, you don't care as much about like, oh, the world, like the world doesn't, it never ends, right? It's always going to keep spinning. If it actually ends, the last thing you're going to be thinking about is, oh, I wonder what my property's doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're going to be thinking about how do I like, feed myself? And yeah. Get, like, and, uh, and if the world does end, uh, then at least you got you're, some. You've ended as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, come back to sort of your hierarchy of needs, right? Like, yeah. we're, we're talking about investing because it's a great way to, to you know, um, get you that you know, time and, and financial independence. Um, to to do the things that you want to do in the world, like you know, we were not put in this world to you know go and work, you know, for a customer service role at you know a dead bank or something. Like you don't, you didn't wake up going to school or like, what do you want to do with your life? Like, oh, I really want to just be a you know, checkout person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, digressing on that. And if you are a checkout person, maybe, you know, like I know people that have retired and and become a checkout person, but that's because they have retired. They don't need money, right? Mm -hmm. That's actually want to do it. Like if you're doing it because you're like trying to get ahead, it's a, you know, and you don't like it, different story. Yeah. And also people like just the social interaction of humans. Um, Anyway, yeah. So there's there's a few little things covered there, but yeah, it comes back to asset selection is is where my, my, my ramble was going on to is like, Make sure that you're amplifying opportunity costs by getting into the best locations and the best asset. And I'm telling you now, like it's taken like decades of just research and knowledge to, to get to a, to a point so that I know the stuff that I'm talking about, and also Jared. And it's just like, well, you're not meant to know these things. That's why we did the po- doing the podcast, and that's why we want to put you in front of the best people to give you the right advice, and, and obviously oversee that whole transaction. So you you're actually going to do really well in life, yeah. and and pass it on, you know, educate people around you and, and like help them do it themselves or at least point them to the people that we point you, you know, it's, it's that infinite uh, loop that yeah. we, we spoke about. Exactly. And when Sam says like it's decades of us learning, it's literally decades. Like I picked up my first personal development book and my first wealth book when I was 15. Mm. It's 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's two decades. And another thing is, when it comes to investing in the right properties, like go and yeah, you need a. I, I highly recommend buyers agents and outsourcing and building your team and outsourcing a lot of this work to other people. There's one thing that you should not outsource, and that is and that is the responsibility. Your responsibility to check everything is done the right way, and to be responsible for the strategy as well. Like you can get advice, but at the end of the day, you need to be the decision maker too not just do this do that and just be uh, a sheep and then getting pushed from you know one paddock to the next when it may not be the, the best way 
Yeah, and there's some really good marketing campaigns out there, and there's many different strategies. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's what you resonate with, but mm-hmm. also uh, understanding the ins and outs. Like a lot of people do want to become developers because they like that, that idea around it, but uh, once you start to get educated into that process, it may not be for you because it's not like a like it might be a get rich quick scenario for some, but it's you know, what, what's the the time and the energy and the education you need to get to that point and there's a lot more fails than failures than there are successes on that front uh but yeah it's um yeah, the few key points that i always say to people is if you don't understand it don't invest in it and always take a night to sleep on any major decision in life because it gives you some perspective yeah. makes you think about it yeah yeah i like it wrap it up there hey See you in the next one, guys. Bye for now.